Hey, everyone. This is Chris and Sandy Bent with the Chris and Sandy Show. We'll get up close and personal with some amazing rising artists. And every now and then, we have a special guest that comes on. And today, we have that. We have Frank Myers, who's a legend in the songwriting world. And, he, and if you don't know who he is by name, you'll know that he wrote, I swear, and that's one of my favorite all-time songs. My wife's, too. It's her, one of her favorites. Uh, oh, songs. yes, I'm here, and too. I, wow. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> we love that song. And other yes. songs that he's written, we love, too. But we're going to talk a little bit oh, about yes. his story, a little bit about um, music and all that. So, Frank, are you here? I'm here. How's it going, Chris, Sandy? It's going so good. good. Fantastic. Fantastic. <laughs> we actually have a, uh, uh, a bit of a cooler day here in Nashville. It's usually uh, close to the 90s and about 90% humidity, so it's... <laughs> <laughs> Of course, you probably got a little. We know that down feeling too. Yeah. Oh, we yeah, do. A he did that. I mean, one o three a little while ago. A pretty warm day. <laughs> What's funny is last year, you know, this whole this whole year up and and last year when we made the decision that you know what Nashville is probably where we're going to move to. All of last year, I was watching the summers because I'm thinking, mm-hmm. okay, we're going to get a break from this heat in Savannah, and I'm like. Okay, we're going to get a small break, not a big break. <laughs> I tell you what, it, it, it's very hot and humid here, very hot and humid. So I don't know what it's, what it's like there as far as on a regular basis, but from about June uh, on, it gets pretty hot. Yeah, we have, you know, we average our, our heat index usually averages triple digits on. Yep. Yeah, throughout yeah. the summer. So you you'll feel right at home here. That's right. In fact, a few weeks ago, I think for the whole week we were like 109 heat index. Wow. Oh yeah. Yeah, I know the, I know the feeling. Uh, well, you you know, and you don't you don't have the coast here, but you do have a couple of nice lakes. <laughs> <laughs> which, old old Hickory and Breeze. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. So as we get started here, um, for those that don't know who you are, um, tell everybody who you are, where you're from, and a kind of an overview of your – a small piece of your story, kind of your backstory. Well, my uh, – of course, my name is Frank Myers, and I'm originally from Dayton, Ohio. Uh, moved to Nashville in 1981. Uh, oh, wow. More as, as a guitar player, uh, singer, entertainer. Hadn't really gotten into songwriting a lot yet. I'd written a couple things. <laughs> but uh, I moved here in April of 81, and I got a job playing lead guitar for Eddie Raven in July of 81. <laughs> and I worked with Eddie for nine years. And, of course, during oh, that wow. time, you know, Eddie, Eddie was a great songwriter. And I played him a couple things that, that I had done, which had, was mainly just putting music to lyrics. And he liked my melodies and things, and we, we started writing together almost immediately. And so I would say uh, I, we put the band together in July of 81. Around October of 81, we did a show with Tanya Tucker where we opened, mm-hmm. and she wanted Eddie to co-write a song with her called Changes, and she wanted it to be about her and Glenn Campbell. Huh. Well, uh-huh. um, we went to uh, Fargo, North, actually, no, Moorhead, Minnesota, 
which is right next across the river from Fargo, North Dakota, to play a week at a Holiday Inn, believe it or not. And it was really for the band to uh, rehearse and, you know, uh, get tighter and that kind of thing. And anyway, mm-hmm. Eddie and I ended up writing the song up there, and we sent it to Tanya, and then uh, she wanted to change a few things, and we did. And so that was my, ended up being my first cut. And um, sure. the guy that produced that record on Tanya was David Malloy, who was Eddie Rabbit's producer and also co-writer of many of Eddie's hits uh, back then. And he loved the song, uh, Changes, and you got to understand, you know, I just really just starting to write, starting to, I didn't know anything about the, about the craft or anything else. I just uh-huh. kind of wrote from the heart and whatever inspired me. Uh, anyway, he said, if you got anything for Eddie Rabbit, we're going to be cutting him next year around uh, February. So I said, great. He said, bring, bring something over if you have it. And I said, okay, great. And I thanked him, thanked him for that. And I didn't really have anything. And But uh, after we got a copy of the Tanya song, Changes, I guess we, now we're probably in around November, December. Um, you know, when a songwriter gets a copy of his first cut, uh, he listens mm-hmm. to it four or five, four mm-hmm. or five hundred, hundred times. And... Uh, <laughs> Special Drove my wife crazy And anyway there was a line in that song That when we were together it was right We had it all you and I For some Mm -hmm. reason You and I stuck out to me as a title And I kind of filed that in the back of my mind And so you know That kind of got me motivated to try to Come up with more melodies and more things Like that And Mm -hmm. So uh, One day I was sitting in our Uh two-bedroom apartment in Antioch, and we had one car, and my, my wife worked second shift and was pretty much paying the bills for the most part because we weren't, weren't working a whole lot yet. And so I'm in the living room, and I'm sitting with my guitar, and she comes in. She says, what are you doing? I said, uh, trying to write a song. She says, well, what kind of song? Well, I, said, I said, a country song, honey. We're not in Ohio no more. We're in Nashville. I guess. <laughs> Try to write a country song. She said, "Well, that hadn't been working out real good for you." Oh well. And I said, "Why? Well, I don't know. I mean, we just got this Tanya Tucker cut." She said, "Yeah, there's no money coming in." She was right. Does it take songwriters (laughs) a a while to see any money from a cut? And she said, "Why don't you write me a song?" And uh, she referenced uh, a group that she liked. And I looked at my watch and said, "It's about time for you to go to work, honey." (laughs) <laughs> so uh, I, I, t- I took her to work and came back home and and I thought about that title you and I and I sat down and I wrote you and I and uh, did a little work tape on it uh, just me singing it guitar and thought about what David said I thought I'd take it over and let him hear it for Eddie Rabbit well I set up an appointment and uh, when I got there uh, David wasn't there, but his dad, Jim Malloy, who's a legend of the music business, was there. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had my little song on a reel-to-reel tape, if anybody remembers what a reel-to-reel tape is. <laughs> and uh, yeah. I played yeah. it for him, and uh, he immediately loved the song and got it. And uh, mm. just from my, uh, you know, 
just me and my guitar. And so, uh, he, you know, he told Eddie Rabbit and his son David and even Stevens was uh, working with him as well that, you know, you got to cut this song this is a hit song. And, and they cut it. Huh. Uh, so uh, that was my uh, – and then Crystal Gill had just come over from another label to Electra Records, and uh, they wanted to get Crystal to come sing harmony on it. And, mm-hmm. uh, they had asked me to write another verse. They thought the, the song was too short, <laughs> so they added that sec- they added that second verse uh, space. And I wrote, uh-huh. I don't know, about three or four verses, and David didn't like any of them. So when Crystal <laughs> was in there uh, learning the song, she started answering Eddie. And David mm-hmm. said, "That's it. That's how. That's how we'll do it. We'll just repeat the first verse, but uh, in the second verse, when we repeat it, then you answer him. And that's how a song that wasn't written as a duet became a duet and a huge hit. And uh, so after that, you know, I was just very blessed. You know, co-wrote uh, some of Eddie Raven's hit records. Uh, I got Mexico. You should have been gone by now. Sometimes the lady, by you boys." <laughs> And, uh, and you know, just met other people along the way, like Richie McDonald from Lone Star and, and Alabama and everybody. And um, so I was blessed to, to write, you know, the number one record uh, for Alabama, Once Upon a Lifetime. And then uh, I'm already there, and my front porch looking in for Lone Star. And then, of course, I swear <laughs> for John Michael Montgomery, and then All for One mm-hmm. put it out. And uh, so I've had a very blessed career. <clears throat> And it's crazy because, again, not everybody has a career like yours, but it's – what do you think is the difference of how you've had such a long career? Such a long career? <clears throat> yeah. Well, I mean – Because you're still doing music and you, yeah. and all that, which is really great to see that people – because, again, not everybody sticks around. Well, I just think you just have to – you have to work hard and you have to write things that people relate to. Um, and, and, you know, God has just blessed me with some great, great songs. I mean, that he just kind of sends them through me. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, of course, you know, there, there's definitely a craft of, to songwriting that, that mm-hmm. I've learned over the years, but uh, that's something you just have to learn experience and by writing with people who are better writers than you are. And yeah. even if they're not, even if they're not, it's, uh, there's always something that you can take away uh, and add to your, uh, to your toolbox, so to speak, from people that you work with. And again, I've just, uh, I try to write things that people can relate to. And it's a lot of it has to do with just being vulnerable too, and I think that's and that's why we love songwriters so much. Is, is you know when you get on that stage to sing your song, you know as a songwriter, you're hoping that the crowd gets it, you know, and that's a vulnerable state to be in. Yeah, you know, for me, I came to town as an entertainer, a singer, guitar player, so uh, <laughs> songwriting came songwriting came second. Um, mm-hmm. So I enjoy getting up there and telling the stories behind the songs, singing the songs and watching people's reactions. You know, uh, you know there's a couple things I'll do that, that'll cause people to tear up and 
If I see somebody tear up, I have I have to look away because I will immediately <laughs> tear up myself. Seriously, uh-huh. it's crazy. I, oh, I'm same way. I, I can't. I mean, there's a couple. So I wrote a song for Joe Diffie that uh, uh, that I co-wrote with Chip Davis, and um, mm-hmm. it was when he was on Broken Bow. A song called "If I Could Only Bring You Back," and the song was a true story. Mm-hmm. Um, that we wrote, and um, I can't even sing that song live. I can imagine. And uh, that was part of the reason that it didn't, it didn't become a big hit. They thought it, they said it was too too sad. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> and I'm I'm just like yeah. you. I, I get you know Sandy will be the first to tell you that that when there's movies going on. When we're watching, I'll be the first to be in tears. I mean, if, if there's tears coming on somebody, even in the movie, I can't stop it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hear, I, I hear you. And, and it's so funny because when I was younger, I was just the opposite. You know. Oh, wow. I was just the opposite. Mm-hmm. It, it wasn't until I got older that uh, I became more sentimental and thing touched, things touched me uh, mm-hmm. deeper. Yeah, for me, I think um, it, I've always been a little emotional, but I think for me, I went through 19 years of addictions until 12 years ago, and I've been sober for 12 years now. And the first five years of our marriage was really pecked on my wife because of those addictions, but we made it through it. And right. I believe that that changed who I am a lot, as in made me more emotional because I almost lost my marriage, almost lost everything because of it, and I didn't. And I don't take life for granted anymore and because I don't take life for granted that I get emotional now. You know what? And I think a lot of that has to do as well with, um, you know, with our spiritual life and um, mm-hmm. getting closer to mm-hmm. God, I think, I think yep, um, exactly. helps us to become uh, more appreciative of things and, and of our lives. And, but I'm like you. I can watch – something on TV just some kind of little sad moment happens in a in a movie that really isn't sad but just a sad moment and it's like uh oh look out <laughs> I gotta, I gotta, yep. can't let my wife see me get teary eyed because I used to laugh at her when we were younger <laughs> that's funny so as you know, there's a lot of grinding that goes on behind the scenes and of, of an artist slash songwriter. And I think a lot of the public, they don't really see that. You know, that. A lot of times they see an artist and, you know, you hear comments like, you know, they just need a real job. And they sure. don't get it. You know, talk about that side. Because I always like to bring out not just the, the, um, the number one hit side and all that. I like to bring out the other side too because I want people to understand not only is this a real job, it's a real business, and it's a real career, but it's also probably one of the toughest things that any person will ever try to do. So tell us about that side of the sacrifices you've had to make through the years. Well, uh, golly. Before I moved to Nashville, of course, I played five nights a week, sometimes six nights a week, sometimes seven. Um, mm-hmm. Back then, uh, if I made three hundred dollars a week, I was doing really good. Um, <laughs> you know, you always have to have a 
you, you can't afford anything by yourself. You have to have a roommate or somebody or a mm-hmm. yeah, a wife. Um, <laughs> but um, you know, I've been playing music every. I mean, live professionally ever since I was eleven. Oh wow! So I and, and I I've done some other jobs like for a minute and uh this is pretty much all I've ever done so I've I've worked mm-hmm. I've worked as much as I could work um yeah. and um I mean when we moved to Nashville like I said you know Belinda was working uh in computer operations at the bank downtown Nashville mm-hmm. we had one one car one apartment and even though I got a job playing guitar for Eddie Raven almost as soon as I got here, uh, I was only making a, like $150 a show with no per yeah. diem. Um, and we weren't working a lot of shows. So she was mainly paying all the bills. Of course, things happened. Eddie started having hit records. And, and then I was fortunate enough to... I mean, we moved here in April of 81, and by September of 82, I had a number one record with Eddie Rabbit and Crystal Gale that went on to become a top five record in the pop charts and the AC charts as well. Mm-hmm. So I, did, I didn't mm-hmm. have it as rough as most people do. I got to say that. Yeah. Uh, I was yeah. blessed and very fortunate to you know, almost immediately find success. But um, there's guys, you know, living with two or three other guys, not even knowing if they're going to be able to pay their rent or uh, Mm -hmm. uh, put food on the table or whatever, just trying to do what they love and, and, and pursue their dream and their, and their passion. Uh, It's definitely not for the faint of heart. (laughs) <laughs> That's true. You think it's harder now than back in when you were growing up in it? Oh yeah. Yeah, there's so many more people doing trying to do it now and there's so many avenues uh with all the mm-hmm. social media stuff and everything and and I got to tell you with all the social media stuff uh songwriters are 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 really getting done bad. Mhm. Um, yeah, I'll give you an I'll give you an example. Here's a, yeah. here's a good example. One of the uh, streaming uh, companies, and I won't say which one it was. <laughs> uh, you know, I co-wrote "Tomorrow" the Chris Young song. Yeah, and I wrote that with Chris and Anthony Smith. So there's three writers on it, and of course, a writer splits. Uh, the money half with his publisher. So um, I had nine million in one quarter, one three month quarter, or it might have been yeah, it was three months. I had nine million streams of mm-hmm. uh, tomorrow. Nine million. Yeah. This is what really opened yeah. my eyes. I want you to to just give me a guess of what you think I'm I made off of those nine million streams. It'll just be a wild guess, but again, I I also know that you make very little. So, yeah. if I had to guess 
as a songwriter, because I know artists make a little more. If I had to yeah. guess off a songwriter, I would think about three to five thousand dollars. I made four hundred and fifty dollars. Oh wow! Oh wow! Man, uh, on <clears throat> nine million streams. Mm. Uh, I figured that up, and and it, it came out to about it was something crazy like twenty five one hundredth of a penny I made per stream. Mm. <laughs> Because we've been trying to so, tell people that, you know, that, you know, about that, you know, people always talk. I've had friends of mine that say they'll never buy another album again. I was like, well, you're going to get cheap music then. You know, yeah. an artist can't survive, especially the song. I mean, the, the most important part of the song is not the artist, the songwriter. The, the, and I've the told person, people, I said, they're getting That's screwed. true. And the person that makes the most money is the label. Because a lot of these ain't, ain't that crazy? Cut, but a lot of these, a lot of the labels have cut deals with these with these people, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah. So and then the artist yes. will make his artist mm-hmm. money, but the songwriter and publisher makes the least ones, and they're the ones that physically create what you're hearing. Yeah, nine million and that's streams. Sad because. God, that's crazy. Four hundred. You know, I really thought that I was lowballing it. To be honest. <laughs> well, you would think. I mean, if I if, if they would have just paid us a penny per uh-huh. stream, that would have been nine thousand dollars split yeah. you know, between yeah. everybody. <clears throat> but you know, hey, because I remember. And and the sad part is I remember back when the streaming services really started taking off. You had a lot of big artists that they will not put their music on, and now they all do. Mm-hmm. So now being fair to the streaming service, yeah. again, that was split three ways, and it was actually split six ways because you got your songwriter okay. money and your publisher Mm-hmm. And then with three writers, mm-hmm. it would be six. So it would that would have come out to twenty seven hundred dollars. So I'd have been a little closer on that one. <laughs> yeah. If, if, I, if, if I would have written it by myself and published it myself. Yeah. 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 Which but is I would have to, to be nowadays. The, the the sole writer and sole publisher. But anyway. And you know, I remember, you know, I remember we we, we do a. Um, show called State of the Music Business podcast, and our uh-huh. very first guest was Joe Joe Kelly from CDX Nashville, and we talked about this, and 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 and, and this was pre-COVID, of course, and he was telling me mm-hmm. he says there's no reason that an artist can't make money nowadays because they, the touring is where the where the money is, and that's where he said that's where you're going to make your money if you're going to make it as an artist, and then now we've got COVID. So how, so how does yeah, an artist happens, yeah. get through all this and what's going on when when they're already shrinking because of things like streaming services and all that and people well, don't want to buy music anymore and then uh, now again, all of a sudden you got now you don't have tours. Well again, who's he talking about? Pin artists. Well yeah. Or even even the bigger artists. But again, mm-hmm. 
unless unless they're in the room or getting their name put on a song, it's the songwriters writing their their music, and they don't get touring money. They don't get money from mm-hmm. their shirts. And, that's that's and yeah. true. And albums. That's true. And you know, artists can still sell their their uh, albums and their T-shirts and everything. They can do that online. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, so we're where not do you making see the future of songwriting? Uh, well, I mean, I don't know. I don't have a crystal ball. I really can't. Well, that's a I really one. can't say. Um, all I know is that uh, if you're not a writer and an artist and doing everything, uh, it's hard to make money as a writer unless you're having hit songs on the radio, current. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and of course there's only few of those cuts that it can even be out there because there's only a certain amount of artists that they allow in the radio system. Well, yeah, I mean they they, they you know they their playlists are smaller because they want more commercials. So, uh, yeah, it's just you know, it's a lot of stuff and and I'm not crying sour grapes or nothing like that. It is what it is. I've been yeah. very blessed in my in my career and have been able to make a good living and and uh, still make a good living. So uh, it's just really tough for anybody trying to start out. But there's people doing it all the time, and and they're they're yep. they're, they're building a fan base through social media uh, and mm-hmm. doing it um, the old-fashioned way. Uh, unfortunately, yeah. they can't tour right. Can't really tour right now. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. But there are ways to do it, and you can make a good living. There's there's artists in Texas that's never had a major hit, uh, other than in Texas, and they make over you know six figures a year just touring and doing stuff. So uh, yep, it's out there to we do. We know a few you people gotta, like that that people wouldn't, huh? you know, because we know people like that 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 you most people would never know their name, but they've made a career out of it. Sure. And it's just it just takes a lot of hard hard work. You got to roll up your sleeves and uh, invest money into yourself and mm-hmm. uh, figure it out. And you know what's funny when when you talked about when your wife came to you and about the so- songwriting, you said, "Well, there's no money coming in." I it, it yeah. made me think about that. There are people here because you know, like with our show, you know, we don't have sponsors yet. We're right. we're like grinding this show out. You know, like I said, yeah. you're 171st show, but but the numbers kind of lie a little bit because now we're doing two shows a day instead of one. So we've actually bumped mm-hmm. it up. And so uh-huh. what we've got people that know know us. Now, granted, Nashville people they understand it. People here in Savannah they don't because they're not in the industry, and and they're like. Um, well, you're not making money in it with it. How, how is it going to ever work? And they don't get that the average podcast to make a living with it takes 18 to 24 months to build that brand. That's average. Mm-hmm. That's something I didn't and know. We're just seven, and we're just like seven months in. So yes. if we manage to start making a good living by next year, we actually will be ahead of the average. <laughs> yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah. Now, granted, when I say average, the average actually make a living. Now, if you count all podcasts, no, the average podcast don't make it there. If you count that, but I'm talking of of the, 
of the podcasts that eventually make it, the average one of that category takes 18, 24 months. Wow. Because it's so, like you said, there's so many people. I mean, there, you know, look, there's what, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people doing podcasts. You know, just like with artists, there, there are thousands and thousands of people doing, uh, who are trying to be an artist. And so in this yep. day and time, it sounds like it's easier because of social media. And, and like I always try to tell people, what social media has done is it's made it easier to get noticed but harder to create traction mm-hmm. because people will notice you, but well, now you just, you just have, labels have as, gotten as a, smart, but now labels well, have gotten artist, smart to where if you don't have a following, you ain't getting, you're not going to get um, signed. This is true. They, they look at your, your, your socials for sure. Um, it's pretty crazy, but uh all you got to do is 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 write music mm-hmm. that people can latch on to. Yep. And find your find your audience because there's an audience out there for you. You got to find them. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And and now that we talked about the struggle and the and the side of it because of course we talked about that a lot. Talk about where that leads now. Again, you know, you've lived a pretty blessed life, like you said. So tell us some moments where you look back. And, of course, all the number one hits would count here. But just tell us some moments where you're like, wow, I got to do that, and I'm living that. You know, let's talk about some highlights. Well, I would, I would say um, the number one highlight would be walking up and, and accepting a Grammy that I just won. Oh well. Wow. You yeah. know, when you when you when you win a Grammy, that's like winning the Super Bowl. <laughs> it, mm-hmm. it, 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 it doesn't it doesn't get any bigger than that. And then, of course, we won ACM Song of the Year, and mm-hmm. I, I've actually been up for four or five Grammys. And, oh wow. Um, well, we we had just on I swear alone, uh, you know, we had two or three nominations. Because it was mm-hmm. not only up up for country song of the year, it was up for the overall song of the year. Oh wow! And uh, that was the very first time that a song had done that, where it was up for overall song of the year and and song of the year country. Uh, huh. Of course, Bruce uh, Springsteen beat us out with his song Philadelphia. <laughs> you know that because uh-huh. that movie. Yeah. Oh, wow. mm-hmm. And. Uh-huh. Um, and then uh, walking, you know, being on the ACM Awards and the CMA Awards show, not only winning Song of the Year, but also being nominated as for Duo of the Year, Baker and Myers. And I remember that my very first experience was when I got my first ASCAP Pop Award. I, I used to be with ASCAP oh, wow. when I when I wrote <laughs> you and I, and I'd already won my uh, country award. Then I got to go to mm-hmm. LA and take my wife and go to the ASCAP Pop Awards. And it was at the uh Beverly Hills uh I think it was the Beverly Hills Hotel. Uh they had it and uh you know, there were guys like Michael McDonald was there, I got to meet and Stevie Wonder <laughs> and uh you know, a bunch of these pop guys that I'd never seen before and, and being in the same 
room with them, getting an award with them was was pretty surreal. Uh, you know, I think driving down West End Avenue uh, in September of 82 um, and hearing you and I for the first time, I had to pull over off off the road to sit and listen to it, you know, oh, wow. the first, first uh-huh. time I heard a song of mine on the radio. Uh, uh-huh. Getting mm-hmm. to do shows, you know, you know, with some of the greatest entertainers in the business, you know, uh, mm-hmm. playing in front of 40,000 40, fans at the June Jam or other festivals uh, with Alabama opening for Hank Jr. Uh, <laughs> goes on and on. You know, Garth Brooks sang demos, sang a few demos for me before he ever had a hit record. Um, oh, wow. You know, being playing with Marie Osmond uh, and being on stage uh, with Bob Hope. Um, and not only not only that, this this particular show I'm talking about was at uh, Razorback <laughs> Stadium in, in Arkansas, and uh, Bob Hope was on it. And when we did our show, when we did the show with Marie, she would always get somebody up, and she would sing the Patsy Cline song "Crazy," and she'd always pull uh-huh. a guy out of the audience to come up and and do this bit that she did. Well, the person she pulled up out of the audience that night was the governor of Arkansas, Bill Clinton. <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> um, you know, you know, getting to travel around the world. You know, there's been there's been lots of moments, lots of uh, lots of moments, surreal moments like that. And and probably what's great too is you know since you've made it big as a songwriter, you've still had freedom. You, you've been able to enjoy life with freedom. You know, a lot of those, like a Blake Shelton, he has no freedom. <laughs> because right. Everybody knows who he is. Mm-hmm. You know, so you've sure. got to enjoy this perk. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, but, you and know, you just continue, anytime continue someone did rec- recognize me or whatever, it didn't bother mm-hmm. me if, if they come up to say, you know, shake my hand or ask for an autograph or something like that. Things uh-huh. like that don't bother me because they're the ones that that made me, really. Uh, all the people that yeah. requested the songs, bought the mm-hmm. songs, used the songs, shoot mm-hmm. music. Um, I definitely hear what you're saying. You know, Some of these guys can't. It's just hard for them to even go out. Yeah, like Justin Bieber. I mean, you can't be Justin Bieber. I mean, yeah. <laughs> he has to has to put it the skies on if he leaves if he goes anywhere. I'm I'm sitting there like I get that being an artist is great for some people, but that's probably a part I couldn't handle. <laughs> well, you know what? Even 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 with Marie, uh, it was kind of like that. I know if if we wanted oh, well. to go to the mo- go see a movie or something. Mm-hmm. We would end up going like at mid. They would like open the theater. We were the, like be the only ones in there. Um, mm-hmm. Stuff like that. Yeah. Pretty crazy. Love that. So, we're gonna take a quick commercial break, and we're gonna come back and play your new song, "God Got This," and I love that song. Thank you. And then we're gonna talk about that. How's that sound? Fantastic. I'm in. All right. Well. Hang on the line. 
Hey everyone, we have partnered with another great podcast called the Sports Guys Podcast. You can find them over at thesportsguyspodcast.com. The Sports Guys Podcast is a sports and country music podcast hosted by Brandon, Nick, and Andy. They cover sports on a state, regional, and national level with many of the biggest names in the sports industry. The Sports Guys also host a Backstage Pass music segment where they go behind the scenes and talk with some of the biggest artists in country music, everything from Texas country, Americana, as well as Nashville artists. The Backstage Pass provides a more in-depth look at the musicians' rise in music as they talk about their career and tell stories about their music to share with their fans. Many of the same guests will be appearing on our show as well. Again, you can find them over at thesportsguyspodcast.com. It's a grand slam of sports and music. Please go over and check them out. I can hear it in your voice. I can see it in your eyes. It's tearing at your heart. What's weighing on your mind I know the road you're on Cause I've been in your shoes But there's only one That's strong enough To carry you God's got this It's in His hands So let go of all the things That you can't understand He knows your fears He hears your prayers And when you're on your knees You're not alone He's always there His love is true No matter what it is Whatever you're going through God's got this We worry about our kids We worry about our jobs We worry about the bills That never seem to stop No matter what you've said No matter what you've done There's no mistake too big For His mercy and His love God's got this It's in his hands 
about, you know, like I told you earlier, I went through 19 years of addictions until I felt like yep. God healed me 12 years ago. And yep. and I really feel like, you know, when God brought Sandy into my life, he brought her in to help heal me because there's nobody – I know people disagree with this, but nobody could convince me that he didn't use her to soften me up enough to, so that I could finally break down that day. December 26, 2007, where I'll finally open up and when he told me I'm healed and actually believe it, and I've been sober ever since. Yeah, absolutely, uh, Chris. There, there's no coincidences. I don't believe in coincidences. I think uh, everything there's a rhyme and reason for everything, and things happen the way they're supposed to. Mhm. Mhm. So, how yeah. did that song come about? You know, as you're writing that song, you know, tell us the story behind that song. Well, you know, we all go through our personal things in our lives, and uh, so many of us are control freaks. I know I am. I want to. I want to <laughs> control everything and want everything to happen on my timetable, and uh, and this and that, and uh, and things don't happen on our timetable. Uh, yeah. God does hear our prayers, mm-hmm. and He. And, and they're always answered. They may not be the answer we want, but they're always answered. And everything happens uh, in his plan. And so, mm-hmm. you know, people are, are going through a lot of things. And uh, I was going through things. And you just you, you realize that it's, in the, it's out of your control. And at this yeah. particular mm-hmm. time, it was, right, it was right before COVID hit, uh, I realized huh. that, you know, uh, it was out of my control. I just had to put it in God's hands. And I know mm-hmm. uh, as, a, as, a, as a Christian that that God wants us to trust in him. He wants us to come yeah. to him like little children. He does. He wants, yeah. us to, he wants us to trust in his divine mercy because God is mm-hmm. a merciful God. And, yep. uh, you know, I've had people tell me in the past, you know, you know, I'm just, uh, you know, I've, I've been, I've done too many things wrong in my life so. But that's not true. And that's that's where the mm-hmm. I got the line in, in the second verse. No matter what yeah. you've said, no matter what you've done, there's no mistake mm-hmm. too big for his mercy and his love. And we have to let go and, and we have to give it everything to God. We have to give our decisions to God and we have to trust in him, trust in his plan, and everything always mm-hmm. works out. Uh, you know, yeah. And so I, mm-hmm. I wanted to give back. I wanted to give back to God for all the blessings in my life, and I wanted to do a song for Him because I've never really been a Christian songwriter or a Christian artist or anything mm-hmm. like that. But I felt like I felt like the Holy Spirit was moving me to write this song, and you know, I I I, I started writing it and everything, and I and I uh, called my buddy Richie McDonald up of Lone Star and. And told him about mm-hmm. it, and uh, I brought brought him in on it, and uh, sure. I was ho- I was hoping yeah. he would end up doing it, and he didn't, and I finally got tired of waiting, 
and decided, look, <laughs> God wants this God wants this message out there, so I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna give it to God. Mm-hmm. If it's meant to be a big mm-hmm. hit, you know, it'll be what it's gonna be. But if it just mm-hmm. brings a handful of people to him, then it's done its job. You know, uh and yeah. to me this yeah. song is for all of us. For all of us who are scared, stressed out and worried you know, over this situation that we're all living in at the moment with COVID-19 and for all the other things that we're faced with that it's totally out of our control in our lives. Mm-hmm. You know, this, and it's a song about putting our faith, hope, and trust in God's plan and in God's hands. Yeah. Yeah, we had to mm-hmm. recently put trust in his hands, too, because um, Sandy had um, to do a major surgery, and she had a 14-pound fibroid inside of her. Wow. Yes, and June 30th, and, I had that surgery. And that's not something that's easy for any surgeon to do, you know, no. um, <laughs> to get out, you know, because that's just not normal. And, no. yep. of course, we had the hope that when we had the hope that it wasn't cancerous, which most fibroids aren't, but you just when it's yeah. that big, you just never know. And so we had to really trust that she was going to go into surgery that day and come out. And I remember the surgeon <clears throat> calling me up when it was over. And he's like, well, she made it through it. And then, of course, then he adds that we did have some issues. And I'm like, uh-oh. <laughs> and he says that we had yeah. to put a stent on her kidney for a short time. It'll, it'll be there for a few weeks. She goes, but other than that, and it's funny because he, he told me, he goes, now, your wife wants to get out in two days. He goes, we'll let her believe that. It's not happening. <laughs> she, her body healed up so fast. That the morning of that, um, this on the second day, he told her, You might be going home today. And she did. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, everything every, everything is in God's hands, no doubt it about is. it. And, and the quicker people realize that, the better off mm-hmm. they'll be. Uh, mm-hmm. Because uh, he has a plan for everybody. And we have to just trust in him and let him lead us where we're going and uh, mm-hmm. know that ultimately, ultimately the road that we're heading down will hopefully lead back to him at some point when yeah. we leave here. And, we're all, and we all will leave here at some point. And so we just kind of sit back and say, God's got this. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, mm-hmm. and yeah, you know, there's so, so many points right. that we can look back in life, and yeah, that, that's like when Sandy and I first married. It's funny because God is good, and when we first married, I was one of these people that wanted to be the motivational speaker. I listened to audio type stuff 24/7. I mean, I was one of those type of people, and Sandy mm-hmm. listens to music 24/7. So, well, there's kind of an issue there when we're in the car. What you know? So we had to learn to compromise really fast. Um, almost 18 years ago, at, at the beginning of our marriage. Yeah, so we'd listen to half my mm-hmm. stuff, half her stuff. And, um, but it sort of, and I always joked that she kind of brainwashed me in all this music stuff because it really rubbed off on me, started growing. And we've done probably a <clears> hundred <throat> different types of business ideas that all flopped in the last 17 years of our marriage. But they, but they kept us afloat long enough to keep us going. And then all of a sudden, we kept on to this music business. And something special is happening here. And then we end up leading into this show. So here it is, 17 years later, 
I get to speak because I'm speaking, yeah. and she gets to be part of music. So God brought us all a full circle here to where he brought both of our passions under one umbrella. Isn't that awesome? That's awesome. Yeah, I couldn't we ask love better. it. It's a perfect life for us. <clears throat> and now we can't imagine Wait. not doing this show. We just it's like that, you know, like we usually take Sundays off from the show. Every now and then, an artist needs to, if we yeah. try to squeeze an artist in and they kind of say they can do Sunday, we'll squeeze them in right. then. But in most cases, we take Sunday off. So, so, but even then, we're like, no, oh, I, mi- I missed doing the show today. <laughs> yeah. I hear you. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have it's a beautiful such family. A habit now. Look, oh, look thank at your you. Facebook picture. I just love the little Christmas well, tree on the shirt of your little girl right there. <laughs> oh, yes. That was her first Christmas. Uh, <laughs> awesome. Yes, and she, yes, she's 17 months old now. And in yeah, fact, we just went to the doctor months, today, yeah. her ch- little checkup thing, and everything looks good on, on her. And, and, again, you know, uh, another blessing because, you know, I was 40 when we had our 8-year-old. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was the first – baby I ever <clears throat> held. I'm, we're, we're talking I'm 40 years old and never held a baby before. <laughs> um, <laughs> and he was the first and then and then of course after a few years we thought well probably another, probably a brother or sister is probably not in the works because Sandy beat cancer back in when she was 19 years old and so wow. the doctors even told her back then that the odds of her having a family were really slim. Anyway, um, so we oh, had little Chris, so we thought, oh, great blessing. Yep. So we thought we had mm-hmm. little Chris, great blessing, no big deal. We want, you know, we, we we can be happy with him. And then seven years later, Caitlin comes along. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. And I want to say too, while I'm uh, on your podcast, you know, I want to tell everybody yeah. to check out my website, www.frankmyers.com. FrankMyersMusic.com. Mm-hmm. And uh, next Friday, the 14th, uh, is our pre-sale, pre-save event for God's Got This. Oh, well. And also, mm-hmm. the video comes out. Uh, I'm going to have a premiere on, I think, the Country Note, and I think Christian Beat Magazine as well. going to premiere the, the, oh, well. the video. So mm-hmm. uh, I encourage everybody to uh, go to the website or and uh, check it out and do the pre-save uh, for the song. And uh, it actually comes out the 28th of August. And go get Which it. my and, birthday. And share it. And really? Well, happy birthday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and you know, it's, it's, it's also Cassidy Pope's birthday, Shania Twain's birthday, and Leanne Ryan's birthday. A lot of birthdays. <laughs> <laughs> See, we were destined for country music, I think. <laughs> I think so. I think so too. Sounds like sounds like <laughs> it. So, as we come to a close here, tell us one or two stories of crazy things that <clears throat> happened through the years, <clears throat> and then we'll crazy end on that. that yeah. Gosh darn! You're really you're really putting me on the edge here with that one. Um, uh-huh. I know there was a lot of crazy things that happened, but to just think of one uh, right off the top of my hand, I'll tell you, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to tell some on Eddie Raven and I love Eddie Raven. is like a, like okay. a brother to me and I, I love him. Oh, right. 
but he, but he's so clumsy. He's so clumsy. <laughs> he's, he's always falling. Okay, so uh, we did a big show. We opened for Hank Jr. Uh, mm-hmm. out in uh, Burbank at um, what's the amphitheater out there? Uh, Universal Amphitheater. Mm-hmm. And so we're opening for mm-hmm. him, and uh, it was a big stage, and we were quite a ways from the people, and our monitors were back where we were set up, but there was probably another 15 feet past the monitors where the people actually started sitting, and we were singing something. And he went out past the monitors, and he's singing, yeah. and he starts slowly backing up as he's singing. And uh, he keeps backing up and backing up. The next thing you know, he backs up right over one of his uh, monitor wedges and and falls on stage. <laughs> and uh, and he gets up and says, uh, "That's okay, y'all. A country boy can't survive." <laughs> oh, that's a wow. good line. We, referring <laughs> oh, to Hank is, Williams yeah. Jr. song, you know, us opening for Hank. And I'll give you another one. We were doing a show with. Uh, and we were the headliner, and we were Dottie West and uh, and uh, one or two others in Dallas at an arena. And the stage was up probably six feet high, and it had those – remember those barriers they used to put up in front of the stage? It was like a, a big uh, plywood barrier type thing. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah. we had, So we had one of those in front of the stage, and it had these – like a two-by-two – you know, kind of tacked into the stage to hold it there. And anytime we went to Dallas, when Eddie Raven would sing Thank God for Kids, if this woman was there, she always had her little boy with her, and she would always mm-hmm. bring him up to the stage so so Eddie could touch him and whatever, uh, you know, pat him on the head or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so we're doing Thank God for Kids, and sure enough, she brings him up there, and Eddie can't reach him <laughs> because of this barrier. So mm-hmm. he's singing, yeah. and he starts he starts to kind of go on this little two-by-two two thing that was tacked up against the stage, uh, against this barrier. And he got about halfway up to where he could almost touch him. And when he did, you heard this big crack, this big wood snap. <laughs> and and oh, then he goes God. down about six feet. And you hear him hollering, oh! And, and you hear the microphone hit the floor. And mm-hmm. oh, wow. we were playing. We were playing. Thank God for kids, and just for <laughs> you know, probably for about ten, about ten seconds. And we just keep playing. We didn't know what to do. We were all looking at each other. The still guitar player got up and ran and, and looked off the like end of the stage to see if he was okay. And next thing you hear hear him, you can't see him. He goes, "Daddy, how does this thing fly?" And we're still playing the song. Okay, so <laughs> that ain't the end of the, that ain't the end of the story. So. He gets up on the stage, and he, he trying to climb back up, and these big super trooper spotlights shine down on him. And as he's getting up mm-hmm. on the stage, he's fa- he's facing up his facing us, and his back's to the audience. And um, the crowd just started roaring. And he gets mm-hmm. up on and mm-hmm. stands up and turns a- turns around to where he's facing the crowd. And when he turned around. His whole back end of his pants was ripped out. No underwear. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> and that, that's oh, what the crowd was running about. 
So those were pretty crazy things. I mean, there was a lot of crazy things that that happened. Uh, but uh, yeah, uh, you know, we were on the road. I was on the road with him for nine years, and I was on the road with Maria Osmond for four years, and then my buddy Gary Baker is Baker and Myers duo for three years, and so it's been. Uh, I've seen a lot of things. <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll tell you another thing that was funny. It's Hank uh, Jr. At the end of his show, I don't know if he was doing Collider or what he was doing, but, well, there's two things he used to do. And people that mm-hmm. saw him back in the 80s would, I'm sure, know this. One thing, he would take a, he would take a mic stand and just beat the crap out of this fan that, that he had there in front of him. And then he'd take <laughs> the pieces of the fan throw that out mm-hmm. in the audience. But the craziest thing is when he would bring his rifle out on stage. Oh, God. And it, it, it was oh, a, wow. you know, like an old rifle, like an old Western rifle, mm-hmm. a wind, like a, a Winchester rifle. And he'd have yeah. blanks in it. And he would shoot it off. And when he had this old fiddle player, <laughs> and he was an older guy. And, 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 the, and the first night that I saw him do it, he walked over by me, shot it off. And I think he just about exploded the guy's eardrum. It really got him. So the next night, wow. when he brought it out and went over by him, the fiddle player took off running. <laughs> and, 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 and Hank chased him around the stage. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> like, like, you're going to hear this. Oh, my yeah. goodness. It was so, so funny, but there was a lot of funny moments. Yeah. So I remember one if, time if we, you wanna, we, had, we had just opened yeah, go ahead. we had just opened for Alabama mm-hmm. and there's this big uh-huh. big coliseum and Eddie went to go off stage and he went off to the wrong side of the stage where there was no steps. Oh god! <laughs> and the guys had to roll a had to roll a big road case over there for him to jump down onto the road case so he didn't have to walk back across the stage. Anyway, there's a bunch of that's them. crazy. Yeah. So if you want to, again, I know you already said about how to get your stuff, but if you want to, again, repeat that of what you said about pre-saving and all that, we, go for it. Yeah, yeah. Our, our our pre-sale and our pre-save date for God's Got This is next Friday, August 14th. And uh, you can go to www.frankmyersmusic.com and uh, and click the, the pre-save, pre-sale, and it'll take you uh, – to whichever uh, service you use, Apple Music, Spotify, iTunes, uh, Amazon Music, all, all all of those places will have it, and and you can save it and and get it when it comes out, and and also that the the premiere of the video will be premiering that day as well uh, at uh, it's called the Country Note, and also uh, Christian Beat Magazine, and yeah. you can also friend me. Please come and friend me at Frank Myers Music, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, I'm on Twitter as Toonsmith57. And, um, yeah, come and friend me. I'd love to, to have more friends. Friends are good. <laughs> love. Definitely. Yes. Love that. Love, and we really yes. enjoyed having you on the show today, and we look forward to having you back down the road. Well, yes. Chris and uh, Sandy, thank you for inviting me, and I've enjoyed uh, speaking with you. You guys sound like a a great couple, and and I know everything's going to work out well for you uh, when you move to Nashville, and uh, 
you got my cell phone number here. Keep it and put my name by it, and and uh, you know we can hook up otherwise as well. We absolutely okay. will. Well, yeah. I was looking forward yeah, to definitely. the question from your son. You told me you were going to get a question. From oh, we still got he it. He must have forgot. Right. Oh, he's here. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Let's still, go, yeah. Let's... He will be the last question. Yeah, yeah he'll be the last okay. question. Now, what's his name? <laughs> I can't. I'm Christopher. I can't believe I've never forgot to do that. And oh God, he's going to kill me. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay, Dad. I got. I got your back, Christopher. I was going to try to squeeze it in here. I was like, he will be so upset if he doesn't get to ask his question. But here he is. Here's Christopher. How are you? Good. Repeat that, Lucas. What's your favorite food? My favorite food? I would say probably pizza. That's my favorite. Is it really? I can't believe it. I love pizza. <laughs> I like That's steaks awesome. too, and I like and I like Mexican, and there's a lot there's lots of foods that I like, but I pizza's probably right at the top there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. he could eat it all day long. Yeah, yeah. I, I I know how you I know how you feel. <laughs> Thank you. Bye. It was nice uh, talking to you, Christopher. Bye-bye. Yeah, we try to include him in every show. I can't believe I We do. Because, you know, <laughs> because, of course, I try to do the show a little different between when, when we have a rising artist versus, you know, a songwriter. So I try to change it a little bit. Yeah. And because I changed it, I'm so used to having it doing it a certain got way. Got you off the pattern. And I can't uh-huh. – <laughs> and it got me off the pattern here. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Don't don't, don't, don't be too hard. Don't be too, don't be too hard on yourself. And uh, <laughs> the only reason I remember is because I'm sitting here looking at looking at the, your Christmas picture. <laughs> right, he's right there, but he would have been upset. He loves to be part of it. He's like, yeah. Well, <laughs> good. I'm glad, we got to, I'm glad we got to bring him in. Yeah. Me too. So, and like I said, you know, we look forward to having you back down the road. Back at you. Me too. Y'all take right, care and God bless. You, you too. Hey, yeah, remember, too. remember, remember, everybody yeah. out there, just just please remember, no matter what's going on in your lives, God's got this. That's and right. Great way to 100%. end. Love it. Yes. Y'all take care. You too. You too. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye.